I don't have to tell you things are bad. The air is unfit to breathe and our food is unfit to eat. The best things in life are at least leave us alone in our living rooms. Let me have my toaster and my TV and my steel-belted radios and I won't say anything. You've got to say, I'm a human being. God damn it. My life has value. This is Freer, the podcast. So last time we left off, Shane wanted to talk about hydrogenated humans, and you were very taken with that. Oh, God, I have not stopped thinking about hydrogenated humans. <laughs> I'm actually do. very curious to uh, hear your feedback after a, a week or two. Maybe it's been a few weeks, actually, now. Of, uh, a couple, at least, yeah, yeah, with the holiday. Just, like, marinating. Just make sure you're the concept. close to your mic there. Uh, yeah. yeah, You can move the mic around if you need to. So your question is, what do I think about the hydrogenated humans concept? Dude, um, I think you're on to something. I think that the media landscape, all the, you know, culture wars, the in- hyper-individuality, you know, the promotion of diversity, um, the getting rid of the kind of in between structures right so we've got you know hyper individuated people which i'm kind of for and i'm kind of one of them i you know i wasn't born in this country i i didn't know anybody here i've i've jumped countries and kind of lives like five or six times and and i've enjoyed it but i also feel very disconnected and that i have no um abiding structures in my life as far as a religion or a a job that I intend to do forever. Um, And so I feel like a hydrogenated human myself and my opinions on things change radically every, you know, as I watch another movie, read another book, I decide I want to be another person. Um, And I think the danger in it is that we become as, as the name kind of implies easy to process. I, I think that, Something like, you know, the Twitter files where you go, oh, they're controlling what information everybody has access to, you know, maybe not overtly or maniacally, um, but, you know, through subtle influences. And then you go, okay, so we're all these individuals. We all feel separate from all the things that used to bind us together, especially on a more like localized level, like small organizations, bowling leagues per the, the bowling alone book. Um, that kind of first brought this to attention. And then the big structures are kind of, you know, nudging us all in particular ways. And if we're not connecting to each other on a, on a local level and, you know, organizing ourselves and hearing what we all think, if we're being divided more and more and we're against each other more and more and we're not listening to each other more and more and we're each getting our own news and our own stream, then I think, yeah, we become really easy for you know, whatever, um, mechanism. I I don't know. This is where I fall off. It's like, okay, are we doing it to ourselves? What's the mechanism? Is it an organic part of history that this just has to happen for us to turn into whatever the next thing is? Man is a bridge kind of thinking. 
I don't know. Any thoughts, Blake? Well, I that was really well said, but I'm curious to hear more of what your definition of a hydrogenated human is. Because I'm not sure that I... I think I understand what you mean by it, but I would love to... Yeah, before I kind of define it, I'd love to... Uh, just get my shoot from yeah, the Yeah, I'd love to it. hear yeah. Yeah, what your perception or like your, what your imagination conjures yeah. when you hear that. Well, um, when you said it, where my mind went was basically pro- talking about processed humans, you know, hydrogenated humans that have basically been... What I thought of was people that have been influenced and cultivated and bred by the society, by the puppet masters, by the powers that be, whatever it is, whatever whatever those powers that be are. So I immediately sort of went to things like realizing that um, testosterone levels in men have dropped dramatically. And I actually Googled this in preparation for today because my thought for high, the, I thought where you were going to go with it was things like we've had our a lot of our humanity kind of sucked out of us and we've become programmed by you know i like we talked about last time i see it as kind of a cross between brave new world and 1984 but i feel like we're being programmed and we're being tamped down and we're being controlled and manipulated in a lot of ways and one of those ways may be the the may be um, precipitating a drop in the testosterone levels of men intentionally i don't know they don't claim to know why but since 1987 this one study that I saw said since 1987, testosterone levels in men have dropped 1% a year. And this study was done in, this is way back in like 2002, 2003. Wow. So they were literally saying a 65-year-old man in 1987 would have 15% higher testosterone levels than that same man on average in 2002. That's alarming. It is. I'm like, at that rate, in another 75 years, we won't have any testosterone at all. Um, but I did my own unscientific study on this when I stood outside the weekend concert at SoFi Stadium in Los Angeles and waited an hour for my daughter to get out. Mm-hmm. And I watched all of these young men walking by, hundreds, thousands of young men walking by. And I I was taken with how, what's the word that I want to use? I don't want to be too offensive, but just they just weren't masculine men. Mm-hmm. And okay, it was a weekend concert, you know, it wasn't like a, brad paisley concert or something or a rodeo so you have to factor that in as well but these men looked pretty doughy Mm -hmm. they put they they didn't look threatening at all because you're sitting there in la at night and you're just like a little bit worried so as a man you're just naturally kind of checking out like are there any threats Mm -hmm. and i'm not the most imposing figure (laughs) that you've ever come across obviously and i was thinking i could probably take 95 percent of the guys walking by yeah that should not be the case right so Anyway, that's a, a little bit of a tangent, but um, that's where I thought you were going with it is just that something seems to be controlling or manipulating or conditioning us in our culture today and tamping down our individuality, our freedom, and maybe even our very manhood. And now we see it coming out in all of these ways with arguments about gender and you can, you know. Sure. Someone with a penis can be a woman and someone with a vagina can be a man, et cetera, et cetera. Do you feel like the same thing has happened to women? Are are we moving toward androgyny? Because there's this idea, you know, the Buddha depictions and the Jesus depictions, they they all tend to have a a, a God depictions in general often have like a bit of androgyny to them. Um, 
which I I don't know that that maybe I'm you guys are both looking at me funny so I don't maybe that's just me or or something mythological that well, I, I read the, I mean when I think of androgyny the first figure of religious semi-religious figure that comes to mind is Baphomet and um, that seems to be more a direction that I mean I don't I don't know how deep down the rabbit hole we want to go here let's go well, who, who, who is it yeah Bathmat? Bath, is that how you say Bath, Sir Bathmat? I, I have no I'm not idea. Familiar with that. No, um, it's this satanic uh, symbol, you know, like the statue that they'll put in, uh, like, well, it's weird because it's like oh, Satan, okay, the one Satan the worship and... is actually this, the worship of oneself. And it's, it's, I believe it means harnessing both the masculine and feminine within oneself. And so you have both extremes, right, on um, probably the religious and the anti-religious that are seeing this ideal. Like that's this, this, you know, Christ was a very gentle figure. Right. And so there's like these kind of feminine traits. And then so it's an interesting cross-section of interest. And if you were to look at the Romans, when when I would say... I wouldn't say they were the first ones to hydrogenate. It's just we have more history about the Romans mm-hmm. than we do the Babylonians. And well, I, may, I haven't done my research on the how the when Babylonians cult, like uh, crushed another culture. How mm-hmm. do you assimilate? So you kind of have to turn them into grays, right? Mm-hmm. Where they're yeah, they're okay. You know, we're not male or female. We're we're the men are feminine in that they're consuming. They're more emotionally led. The, f- the female is wanting to work, provide, individuate, uh, not not necessarily like the homebody type anymore. Hmm. And so it's like you're creating this perfect consumer hmm. and that can be led around their nose by their nose or by their emotion rather. And that's how I, I don't have any expert knowledge on this. This is just what I've intuited hmm. going like, oh, we're going into this grinder and um, that you you had mentioned Century of the Self by mm. the BBC, which is a phenomenal documentary. And it actually goes back to Esalen, where it was the human potential movement that actually figured out how the machine could turn the individual into the consumer. Instead of like, oh, it's a happy dad who buys this lawnmower? And, you know, if you're the father, is, which was a very innocent ad campaign, mm-hmm. they were able to now create subcultures within cultures that create certain consumption patterns. And then, you know, like you go to the Women's March, everyone had a pair of those. Not everyone, but there, how many pairs of kitty uh, ears and like weird things that they can sell? Mm-hmm. Like, okay, now we're selling hair dye. Like, okay... If you're of this political affiliation, you need to have neon hair. Or if you're this political affi- affiliation, you need to drink this kind of coffee, oh. rifle, you know, whatever. I, I went to Occupy Wall Street because I was really interested in the movements. And I had come out of business school and uh, I read a book called When Corporations Rule the World that scared the hell out of me. And uh, so when Occupy Wall Street happened, I was really interested. So I went down it was awful. Like it was just, everybody had their own and somebody's handing out their flyers for, you know, this movement that, uh, you know, uh, save the 
narwhals and you know come with me to africa we're going to evangelize this and you're like dude what is happening here like i I thought i thought there was agreement as to what this is about but but it there wasn't it it, it fractionated into a a you know kind of a hippie camp where everybody had their own agenda yeah exactly yeah i actually went to the one in portland okay and because my cousin was highly involved and i was like i'm curious about this um I'm not uh, a fan of corporate bailouts, so I can see why they're so angry mm. going like, hey, what the hell here? Like we're, our infrastructure's imploding. We're not, we're not feeling the support. And then all these corporations are getting billions of dollars of bailouts. Mm-hmm. Like that's a message I resonate with. But then I went there and it's like this weird, chaotic, everyone raise your hand, blah, blah, you know, their whole process. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I don't know what the answer is, but it felt so, like you said, fractionated. Mm-hmm. So w- even within their groups, and, and I think they've probably recongealed. And now if you look at what's going on with the protests with I- Iran, or not Iran, um, Palestine, I can see he's like posting Instagram. He he had the phrase from the, what is it? From the something to, from the sea. To, River to the sea. River to the sea. He was saying that. Before that hit the mainstream, I was like, huh, something's going on here. Like, so there's, I feel like there's certain messaging. So you, 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 you turn that gray and then they have their little antenna and then they go, bing. Okay. I've, I've read my message for the day. This is what we're fighting for. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's fascinating. It's like, okay, can you keep people separated enough, but also tuned into some sort of frequency that they're all communicating and I'm not going to pretend to understand this. It's just an observation. Hmm. And then they get the message and it's like, okay, now we're fighting for women. Okay. Now we don't know what a woman is. Okay. Now we're fighting for Palestine. Okay. Right. Now it's, it's now just we're on. pro Ukraine. Right. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Sorry. I forgot Ukraine. Right. That was the whole thing. Oh yeah. 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 What are the marching orders this week? Yeah. There's a hilarious little skip by this comedian who, um, plays the part of an actor who's trying to figure out whether he's supposed to um, post for Palestine or Israel, hmm. and he's not sure, and hmm. he goes off on this whole rant. Have you seen that? It's no, hilarious. I'd love to but see I'll that. share it with you guys. But it's funny because he's playing the part of an actor who's like, I got to make a post. Right. Because if I don't make a post, like, that's a problem, you know? Right. And then at one point he's like, hey, I know a guy who got who booked a commercial after putting the Ukrainian flag in his profile this is no joke but he doesn't know he's confused like what are my marching orders sure it's like usually i follow like you know there's there were gay people were saying pro-palestine i'm thinking that's good but then i hear somebody else saying so he's confused about about who he's supposed to pose for right but it's a great commentary on what you said fractionation oh yeah 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 so it's like um it's like okay uh, i was looking up i was trying to see if i could remember because i was talking about this um maybe a year or two ago but um, it's like these Cohen's, these like these contradicting um, uh, like pro-life um, situation, et cetera, like where it will never be solved. Right. These issues. Right. Gun control, pro-life, pro-choice. Yeah. Yeah. You name it. Yeah. You know, and, and so anytime it's like a little grenade they'll throw into the conversation yeah. where it's like, oh, you know, don't look at the deal that uh, Comcast is doing over here and we're, you know, like fight about abortion. Mm. Yeah. I'm going to just throw this into the conversation Mm. and the little antenna goes ding. Mm. Okay. I've got passionate feeling about this. 
Absolutely. Yeah. Lakoff. Um, he wrote a book called The Moral Animal. I think it's George Lakoff. I read it a long time ago. But And then there's another guy, Jonathan Haidt, who I like. Um, and, and they just point out that, like, I think at the, ba- and I might be misrepresenting them horrendously, but I think at the basis, there's this idea that, like, sometimes conservatism is appropriate, right? Like, sometimes you have to... Um, draw a line somewhere and say, you know, this is in, this is out. We are, we are in favor of this tradition. The tradition is working. We are not going to adopt 40 new things right now because, you know, we've got a good thing going or, you know, we're risking falling apart if we adopt 40 new things. And then there are other times when it's good to let new things in. You say, oh, people have new ideas. There are creative people. Um, we're going to, you know, let in people from different places. Uh, let's let's impregnate ourselves with a bunch of new stuff and, and see how that goes. And so it, it has to be an ongoing debate um, because a different response is appropriate in every situation. And that maybe that's the um, that's the nature of that, like forever dichotomy. Um, if, if you call each side a Cohen, you know, mm-hmm. uh don't let anything new in versus let everything new in. Right. And it's like, okay, well it makes sense that the debate has to happen. I find the, the lines that are drawn a little bit artificial and the like cheering for one color over the other color to be a little bit stupid when, you know, it was like, well, let's talk about the actual issues instead of like, you exactly. know, ad hominems. Um, that creative tension is a good thing. Right. I mean, when you have when you when you used to have like classic conservatives and classic liberals, I would argue that that tension was actually pretty productive for us as a country. Mm -hmm. Right. Because they were people that shared. If you look in the past, I think for the most part, they were human beings that did share some common principles. They believed in reason. They believed in logic. You know, they believed in true democracy that if 51 percent. If the majority wants this, then okay, I'm going to shrug my shoulders and fight better to, to do it. I might be, I mean, may, maybe I'm putting this in a little bit of naive it's, frame framing, but sure. it was at least, it, at least it seemed like there was more of an agreement on some underlying principles, mm-hmm. truth and integrity and fairness. And, and then, and then you would duke it out on conservative versus liberal. And a lot of times that creative tension was good and you'd strike a balance mm-hmm. and times where liberalism needed to win out. You know, I think most people now agree that, that gay people should be able to be married. You know, when those of us that knew people that were gay that were married or that were partners and one of them had a tragedy and the other partner couldn't get into the hospital to see them and stuff like that. It just, it it seemed just inherently wrong. Mm -hmm. So that was a part time in our country where it's like, yeah, the liberals needed to kind of pull the needle over that direction. And the conservatives at least gave enough or the moderates gave enough that that principle ended up getting adopted pretty widely. Now Mm -hmm. gay marriage is acceptable. I think in every state, is it, is it a federal? Or is it still state by state? Anyway, uh, yeah. The point is that creative yeah. tension, I think, is a good can be a good thing. Yeah. Where that seems like it's completely fallen off, and we've moved more toward hydrogenated humans, is we don't we no longer agree on the fundamental principles. Right. We no longer agree. Like, let's have a debate based on logic, mm-hmm. based on real data, real science. They'll just say, "I believe in science," <laughs> and. Okay, because and Anthony Fauci is science, so I believe you you yeah. don't believe in science, and that they even co opted the term science. Mm-hmm. 
I see it on dating profiles. It's like, I believe in science. And that's now a euphemism for I'm vaccinated. And if you're not, don't bother connecting with me because you're a science denier if you're not vaccinated. As opposed to, well, I have an opinion about that. If you've got a different opinion about it, let's have a conversation about it. And let's agree on some parameters and let's agree to look at the data, look at the research and go back and forth. And and, and each person has to also be willing to be wrong mm. in that. Yeah, and I feel like that's all just completely shifted now. It has. And I feel like that um, you're bringing up a great point because it's like that was what where we really broke apart as a society when we lost that principle of, okay, truth, democracy, um, equality, like these things that free speech, free speech. Now it's up for debate. Now people are like, well, hmm, well, I mean, if it offends me, I'm not really sure you should be able to say that. And I, I went back. I'm like, okay, why is this? And so, um, certain people believe it goes back to Kant. And also, um, who was the one that said, I think, therefore I am? Descartes. Descartes. So the Cartesian kind of model of the world is that if that's, if my mind, if I think it, that's what I am. Right. So therefore, if you think that about me, that causes harm. And if you're harming me, that's a problem. And so it's, it's almost taking this Cartesian logic this like uh, contemporary way of like, okay, it's art because I believe it's art, you know, and, and look at what's happened to art. It's just, it's just kind of fallen apart. Mm-hmm. Was it Descartes or was it Salta? It was and Descartes. It was Descartes. Okay. Cogito ergo sum. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. Okay. So I want to, I want to try to bring this full circle. So there's a statue of Beth Matt in the local church of Satan that you go to. <laughs> And Bathmat is androgynous, and the androgyny is a way of making gray people, um, so so uh, non-differentiated, you know, people who can be led around by the nose, so to speak, um, which may be, you know, something that happened in the past when when a, a, a culture was taken over. You were no longer able to have your own strong, you know, cultural mores. Um, and so here we are, where are, are we all gray people now? Even though we're very individual, you know, because you can have purple hair and you can be a worm and whatnot. Um, is, it, is it that we're individuated and that makes us... Uh, easily consumable, hydrogenated. When you said gray, by the way, I took you to mean gray aliens. Well, I knew you'd gra- you'd get that reference. <laughs> yeah, because there was layers to that comment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because they're these they're seen as these little androgynous things that are sort of Borgish. They're yeah. all kind of combined and they're robotic and right, and they do the bidding. Yeah. So. Yeah. So there's a lot to that, and um, well. So I see one of the principal errors in um, in something like trying to create an androgynous human is taking this etheric energy where we can tap into the masculine and feminine, the liberal and the conservative. We have these oscillations. Mm. And if I'm trying to dense it, like get that to 
come into density, mm. right, through chemical action where I'm putting certain things in the water to, uh, you know, reduce the testosterone in men to make them less aggressive and therefore more malleable or putting um, certain hormones in milk so women develop earlier or whatever the uh, the mechanisms of control are, mm-hmm. uh, whether it's conscious or unconscious, it's like something that we're just driving towards is that I believe that there's probably a certain section of us that are going gray. Mm. And then there's some of us, because it's like every action has an equal and opposite reaction. Mm -hmm. And my buddy and I were just talking and and we're talking about the Kardashians and he's just like pissed off. Like, you know, people are like, like how many plastic people do we have now? Mm. And I said, well, true. And also how many naturalists are they creating? So every, for every maybe 10 plastic people, they might be creating at least two more natural nature folk, mm-hmm. like forest people, like people that are like, oh, actually, I think I want to go the other direction. Mm-hmm. And so there is this beautiful interchange. Mm-hmm. So, for, yeah. So, I you know, I'm not like one of these people who goes like, oh, this is happening and therefore it's all 100% yeah. evil. Or... And that creates more polarity in a sense, mm-hmm. doesn't it also? And we live in a time that's more polarized than I think any of us have ever been a part of or known about. Absolutely. And even it... in the health, I used to say at MindBody, you know, because I was interacting with these customers every day and people that were really healthy. And what I came to believe was that we're living in a time in America right now where we're the healthiest and the unhealthiest we've ever been simultaneously. Yeah, because if you section off a certain portion of us, it's like you know, sixties the new forty. Yeah, we don't. Our parents were way, and grandparents were ancient by the time they were fifty, sixty. There's all these funny memes that show like the age of guys that we thought were old in movies, like Cocoon and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Yeah, and like the Traveling Wilburys. Yeah, for those of us old enough to remember when the Traveling Wilburys came out, it was like this. Remember, we thought they were old farts, and then they show their ages, and you're like, oh my gosh, they were like <laughs> in their forties and fifty. All these people were young, and we thought they were ancient. All that to say that there's a portion of us, I think, that are healthier than we've ever been, mm. and then there's another segment of society that is by far the unhealthiest that. Sure. Yeah. we've ever been and net net as a culture we're the unhealthiest uh life expectancy has gone down right i i so i do yeah i i was looking into this a while ago and and i think you know all of our athletic accomplishments are going up right, right. fastest human highest jumping strongest you yeah. know what have you um so so the pinnacle is getting fitter but then you're right that the the age, the average lifespan started going down due to diabetes, um, obesity, um, you know, right. uh, heart problems, right. so all, all lifestyle-related childhood obesity um, issues. I want to hit you on the polarization thing. I mean, like Cold War, right? Like I, I was born in eighty-one. You know, uh, Russia was a big deal uh, back then, and uh, East and West Germany, and. I, I, I'm never sure about this idea that, that things are really bad right now. Cause I, I feel like, you know, the past century, right. Some world wars and uh, like so, somehow, I don't know. It never sits well with me when that yeah. statement is made. Um, Cause here we are drinking tea with honey and <laughs> talking into, <laughs> talking into micro. Right, like we're, yeah. we're not in a bunker right now. Right, we're we're right. not in a trench right. um, yet. 
until the siren goes off. Yeah. Well, and there's no siren. You know what yeah. I mean? Like there's well, no there's nobody who can call us to action in so, an instant. Right. Right. And I, I think what maybe what I'm hearing is that you're both correct, that the outer 10 percent is getting more polarized. That's what I believe. And then we have the 80 percent where now I can talk to my my uh, very democratic like hardcore vax um cousin who's actually making laws in a certain state for that kind of thing and i can have a healthy debate with her whereas in 2020 2021 there was no conversation oh, no no you're canceled yeah shut up you're canceled mm-hmm. you're putting people's lives in danger yeah exactly and they had this like blanket like oh you know and I, I was pretty quiet. Like within my friend group, we were very active. And I also could tell when I was bumping up a gray, like a, against a gray or someone who had their like their little yeah. orders. And they're like, OK, I see that you're very passionate about this mm-hmm. and it's yeah. important to you. But there was a breakdown in the conversation. That's what bothered me so much about that. I was so naive at the beginning. And it, by the way, I think you're right. And that's my sense, Johnny. I think that the 10 percent on the on the in the fringes actually are so are closer to each other even though on the one spectrum if you look at it as just a linear spectrum they're polar opposite of each other Mm. in their radicalness and in their way that they have subverted the whole agreement of the foundation of principles that we used to have that i talked about they're much more aligned on that and i think that the the reasonable middle is actually the majority but they're quiet Mm-hmm. They aren't the ones driving the conversation on social yeah, media. They're yeah. not the one driving the conversation on most, you know, podcasts. The news is all co-opted and owned by one, you know, arm of propaganda or another. Mm-hmm. So I think we're hearing, it's like we're hearing gunfire everywhere, mm-hmm. but there's only, you know, a small percentage of people that are actually holding the guns. Most of the people I think are in the reasonable middle. I don't know about you guys, but when I travel around and I'm always striking up conversations with people, I have a hard time finding a radical. Mm-hmm. They're there. I know they're there. I'm not yeah. naive, yeah. but I have a hard time finding them. Most uh, people are reasonable, and they're more either on the conservative side, mm-hmm. who I these days actually find more open and friendly to mm-hmm. talk to. If somebody's a little bit more on the lib, what the what I guess today's left or whatever it is, yeah, a little more touchy about mm-hmm. conversation and openness, and you have to be a little bit more careful about what you can talk about. Mm-hmm. If somebody's on the right, you can kind of. They seem to be more open to talking about whatever. That's my personal experience. I've always liked the keyhole uh, analogy, which is like if you were walking by a room and you peeked in a keyhole, what would keep you glued to that keyhole? Mm. And so the answers are like, well, violence, you know, sex, fire, um, you know, some radical plotting aliens perhaps aliens, <laughs> you know bigfoot uh, look around yeah yeah exactly <laughs> um but that 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 is necessarily what media is going to provide because reality is rich you know it's beautiful outside you can walk around you can pick mm-hmm. guavas off of trees and you know there's pretty girls and there's pretty boys and like you know that it's it's cool out there so if if the screen wants to keep you glued to the screen it's got to be a keyhole um to something pretty uh, audacious in order to to suck anybody in. And I, I think that that's where some of the radicalization comes from, just organically, just sure. by nature of the medium. Um, 
but it's also like i guess thank god people are like wising up to it or getting sick of it a little bit and, and I, I always think of you know these movements right like the hipsters I, I i couldn't i couldn't believe it when hipsters um as i think of them came into existence the original hipsters where yeah. it was like i was like what are we gonna do like amazon it, it was so nice you want something you tap it into your phone it shows up the next day like are you kidding me like this is so that was so amazing at the don't have to go to the store anymore like you know just got back like three hours a week you know not having to walk around looking for things and you always know you're getting a good deal with good ratings i was like oh god what are we ever gonna do like we're all just gonna sit at home and buy garbage online and like compare it with each other like how are we ever gonna get out of this and then sure enough like you know uh later that week you know hipsters you know growing fiddleheads and like malting barley in their backyards and everybody wants to have chickens and i was like oh man like humanity you know this is amazing. And that was like the like teenager trend, right? That was like the 20 year olds who, who suddenly were defecting from uh, consumerism. And then I think, you know, you've seen the same uh, thing with pornography. Um, I think in the past five or 10 years, I know like the, the you know, the young people I uh, am around or work with every now and then you catch a comment or two and like a lot of them are anti uh, pornography and you go, okay, cool. Cause as far as I know, the internet like is more is to some extent built on it. Um, so, so like, wow, like go humans. Um, yeah, I don't know where I was taking that in particular. Yeah. Oh, I guess just the idea yeah. that people are reacting against yeah. being sucked into things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I love what you said too, at the very beginning of, of your comment about the, the sirens right where they're not actually like we, we aren't in bunkers but it we're on this alert there's alertness of of like ooh the threat of danger and, and what i realize is like okay our media and society has actually become an autoimmune disorder and so we're we're self-attacking so if if you think about Left Wait, right. say that again. Autoimmune um, disorder. That whole sentence about becoming an autoimmune disorder. Yeah. So I believe that um, media and our culture has become an autoimmune disorder. It's, it's attacking itself. Wow. And if you look at the prominence of autoimmune disorder as well, it's, it's on the rise. Mm-hmm. And just thinking about the fear, this infighting, all this. I think about us as a, this larger uh, organism right? If our country was a being or this world of humanity as a larger, uh, human intelligence, how much infighting is going on? Like how much attacking ourselves, how much energy are we expending? And now the paranoia has gotten even deeper. Oh, they're listening on my phone, on my device, on my, Oh, they know what my thoughts are. Oh, Oh, if I say this, I'm going to get canceled. And, and then there's like the reaction to that um is courage like and authenticity and being willing to take on the punishment for being myself for actually expressing myself mm-hmm. and that that seems very scary but it's also like stepping into trusting my body trusting that okay well i could go on and on and i and i i want to pause there cuz i can i can see some some thoughts bubbling up 
but I just, I just wanted to put forward this thought of like, you know, what do we think about society as possibly being or having this effect of autoimmune? That's, that's a brilliant way of looking at it. And I vacillate between thinking that it is the complete breakdown that I'm watching. I'm witnessing just the breakdown of our culture, maybe the breakdown of humanity. I mean, I definitely have moments of some pretty, you know, nihilistic um, daydreams, you know, over everything that's going on. It definitely feels hopeless at times, especially with, you know, with an 18 year old knowing and worrying about like, what, what world are we leaving behind for her in the next 20, 30, 40 years? And then, there's another part of me that wonders if what we're not witnessing is just the butterfly, the caterpillar that is getting ready to morph into the butterfly. And when the caterpillar breaks down, it's an ugly process, right? Mm. I mean, this is a little bit of a cliche, but I, but it's, but it's potentially true. You see all the breakdown, you see everything that was being destroyed. And at a certain point, a butter, a, a caterpillar is just goo. Mm. I think if you broke broke open a chrysalis at a certain stage, it's literally freaking goo. Mm-hmm. It's like a bunch of super glue, make, you know, and some leaves mixed together. And then that turns into a butterfly and flies away. So those things that those little cells that are in the caterpillar are called imaginal cells. And those imaginal cells know that they're going to be a wing. They know that they're going to be a certain you know, antenna or whatever it is mm-hmm. on the butterfly. So are, are we the imaginal cells in the chrysalis right now? And we are just breaking down into a tub of goo. Um, and it doesn't feel good mm-hmm. at all, but we're about to potentially evolve into something else and fly away. Yeah. I have the same thought and the same question. Um, I mentioned the lack of those intermediary organizations, right? Churches went away, community groups went away, bowling leagues went away. Um, and as you say, we're becoming hydrogenated humans, which I, I would map to goo. Um, mm-hmm. And so how do you fix it? You know, do you try to re-implement the structures that used to exist before, or do you kind of embrace the goo mm-hmm. and... Um, see where that goes there's a book called childhood's end i forget which sci-fi author wrote it but um these devils come to earth like these really big like horned literal devils and and they're like yeah sorry we look like devils that's just humanity having a a, like pre uh knowledge of of you know what the end is actually going to look like so i'm sorry that i look like this but that's how it is the devils hang out for like, I don't know, a hundred years or something. And then the children all like stand up and like do like a trance, you know, for, for like days and days and days and days. And the parents are all like, Oh my God, what's happening. And and the kids are just in this trance. And then like the kids become, I'm kind of, I haven't read this in like a decade. The kids all become connected by some like beam of energy field. And then that like shoots up into the air and then humanity transcends uh, and and becomes an interplanetary species and whatever. But it wasn't possible for the previous generation. So the previous generation just went into panic when all the kids under seven, you know, went into a trance and they were like, oh my God, this is awful. What's happening? And the devils were all just like, 
sorry, that's that's how it goes. And the devils are like, we can't do it. Our species can't cannot transcend. So our job is to like go around and shepherd people. And we've we've seen this before over and over. We we actually don't know what's happening. We're way bigger than you and way smarter than you, but we don't know what's happening here. You guys are gonna become something more powerful than yeah. we are. So it's this it's this cool kind of yeah, goo to to transcendence thing. I will say though, I bought a bunch of well, as much as I could afford, um, Tesla stock when Elon Musk was on Joe Rogan, smoked a dube and was like, wouldn't it be more exciting if we were in it, if we were an interplanetary species? And then Tesla stock dropped 7% because he smoked a joint on Joe right. Rogan. And I was like, dude, that's the most inspiring thing I've heard in decades. Like, yeah. yes, let's have a mission that is something other than fighting each other. Sure. Like, and it solves the overconsumption problem. It solves what was then the overpopulation problem. Um, you know, gives us all something to focus on. I was so stoked. Uh, and, and that paid off, by the way. Um, anyway. Yeah, the liquefaction. So maybe there's this greater uh, energy or evolutionary force liquefying us, uh, fractionating us. And then, um, I, yeah, imagining the caterpillar. Like, so if I'm... If I'm on the caterpillar's like stomach wall, I'm like, oh, I'm the stomach wall cell. But then all of a sudden my identity gets shattered and liquefied and yeah. I'm just this amorphous goo. And then at some point things crystallize, like my awareness crystallizes and I'm like, oh, actually I'm part of the upper left wing. Mm -hmm. And so I know who or what I am. Yeah. And I don't know how it works exactly with a chrysalis, but some of it's probably food. Some of it's probably waste. Sure. So there probably are certain cells that don't become the butterfly. Absolutely. Yeah. They're used up in the, as fuel yeah. in order for it to become that. Right. And maybe it's like a stem cell where any any of them could become that upper left-hand wing. But yeah. it's like, oh, there's a need there for me to be that new part of the... Well it's natural for us to have a bias toward the past, right? Mm -hmm. So I look at the past and the way things were in the good old days, and I want the future to be more like the past. Mm -hmm. And I lament over the againstness, the chaos, things that I see as the loss of principles, you know, um, and possibly even, you know, the threat of our democracy, our very democracy being lost with free speech being um, severely threatened right now. If we lose free speech, it's only a matter of time before we lose our democracy. Free, if it's the First Amendment for a reason. Yeah. So, yeah, there's a part of me that's biased toward the past and wants that. And then there's that other more hopeful part of me that hopes that it's something greater. Um, but what I always kind of go back to is it does seem like we're being hydrogenated as humans, mm -hmm. but I always go back to by who or what. It's pretty evident to me that there are some puppet masters that own our politicians, corporate America and the industri military industrial complex and the pharmaceutical complex. There are some business and corporate people that do seem to own and control a lot of the culture, but they're also human beings. Mm -hmm. They also have families. They're also probably maybe some of them are good people or want to be good people. So what is if something's hydrogenating us? Like, what is this force and is it to be overcome or is it to be absorbed yeah. or can it, yeah. can, can the force itself shift? Well, it's interesting because I, I was trying to think about this a little bit of like, okay, what is the unifying force or energy that does, um, shape the hydrogenated form, like the entity, 
And um, I think it was and probably still is money finances. So you can actually, um, if things are swayed by financial incentives, et cetera, uh, and all the other things that can be created with that fame fortune. However, what is the new unifying force? Like, okay, so if we're being, if this is an evolutionary force for good, let's, let's, let's just hope that these trillionaires that, you know, we don't know how many trillions they have because they print the money. It's all in trust. They have insurance companies. It's just under so many layers where Elon Musk is like, um, a, you know, a guy begging on a corner. Like that's how, you know, I, I would say comparatively, I don't know that he's that comparatively wealthy to the families that have been around since. So you're talking about the Rockefellers and the, who are the other? Well, uh, or do you yeah, I mean, say? it's like Italian families and, you know, things like that. If you, I mean, if you really wanted to go down uh, this rabbit hole, I wouldn't be the right guy to talk to. And nor do I want to get offed. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, you know, the. But when we talk about puppet masters, it's potential that a part, at least some of the people that we're talking about are potentially people that own the money. That yeah, the exactly. Banks, it's, you know, it's, it's. Own it's, and control the banks and the money. In right. The financial system. Yeah. And so, you know, if you wanted to find a lot of their children, you'd probably go to rehabs, like the high end rehabs. And I, I think there is a conscience that they have and if you don't receive the programming like if you don't um receive the mindset appropriately there's a reaction of trying to um, destroy yourself and and so um and you know I, th I think it's tough like i think about how difficult it would be to be born into a family like that where there is kind of an expectation there's kind of an agenda that's already been set that exists Ooh. before you and after you yeah. and you fall in line or you're, you're, you're gone it, one way or another. Mm -hmm. And, um, I have compassion for that type of system because I can only imagine how powerful it must be. Um, but yeah, I, I believe that, you know, forces like that do exist. And you believe those families continue on it, Let's just say that they do have nefarious intentions. Those, the old people die at some point. They have kids. The kids have to take over. Their kids have to take over. And they, it takes, well, I, it, yeah. it takes just such a long line of really horrible. Well, that's why I don't buy into the nefarious part. I, I believe that there must be a deeper wisdom that seems nefarious and so whether or not it is, it must at least seem non-nefarious to those who enroll in, in the mindset. So like, yeah, these little peons, they're going to be uncomfortable, but really we're architects. And if we take out that wall, yeah, sorry, that those families are going to go away, but we need to blow out that wall to put the kitchen over there and really open up the space. So it's kind of like walking on ants. In a, you know, it's like there's, there's a certain elite mindset where you're like, yes, we're using you, we're, we're controlling these mechanisms and th certain things are going to have to go certain things, you know, and that's kind of, you're working at these higher levels. So when yeah. I'm doing construction, if I was worried about every fly, every war, you know, like all these butterflies and I, I, I do, I try, I actually do try to like, okay, here's spider over here, but there's sometimes a spider's going to get smashed and yeah. I'm not saying that, you know, 
I want to say that with compassion and love for all the people that have been harmed, mm. but there has to be probably a certain mindset to work on these scales where you just kind of put it into the equation of like, this is what's going to sure. happen. I, I'm with you on that. I, I don't, I don't think the majority of the super rich or super powerful are evil. Um, I'm sure some are, but I, I think that you look at even like institutional trust being at an all time low, right? Um, you know, how much money would we choose to donate to the government if we didn't have to? How much money would we choose to donate to the military, to, you know, the school systems, you know, the the hospital systems, right? We know that there's a lot of waste and a lot of rent seeking uh, and a lot of politicking going on. So when a super rich person does something that, you know, sidesteps um, some bureaucratic governmental, you know, entity, you know, to some extent you go, okay, well, (laughs) who's in the right here? You know what I mean? Like, um, and, and I'm not, I'm not for it by any stretch, but I just have, my, my thinking on it has become a lot more nuanced and a lot more like let's dig deeper than it used to be. Um, yeah. And I, it sounds like I'm promoting Trump there, which I'm not because I still don't understand the, you know, seven bankruptcies and like I've, I've heard anecdotes secondhand. So not firsthand, but you know, p- people who had kids in the hospital when he shut down a wing for one of his kids and then didn't pay the bill and the surgeons were all griping about it. And you know, like that, those stories come up and, and I don't know, New York, uh, um, New York won't vote for him. So mm-hmm. anyway. Yeah. I, and I think there's probably another story there too, around pharma. And, um, I think a lot of people are medicated and they've shown that when someone's on a painkiller of some sort, that their compassion goes down. And so I'm, what I'm curious about is like how many of these like high profile people, politicians, et cetera, celebrities are on painkillers or some other mind altering pharmaceutical that doesn't allow them to feel compassion for their fellow human. And how does that affect their behavior? Um, because you have, and then even having those um, pharmaceuticals in our water system and now in our municipal water system, like how, how has that affected our compassion levels? Like if even they said, even taking like an, an aspirin mm-hmm. affects your level of compassion. Mm-hmm. These people are on stuff that's way stronger than an mm-hmm. aspirin. Yeah. Even SSRIs, right? If right. someone's depressed and they're taking a, SSRI that's evening you out it's taking out the highs and the lows right so it has to do something I would imagine to yeah compassion and empathy yeah and and you know I, I I have sympathy for those who are feeling lost in the sea of despair and need something to even out the keel and there's a cost and especially imagine being in a high profile position where you're constantly being attacked critiqued etc your, your safety, your family safety, your, you know, your profile, uh, your public profile, all that's at stake. Mm-hmm. That's a lot of pressure. Mm-hmm. Plus you have big companies coming at you trying to make sweetheart deals, maybe even threatening, you know, who knows, who knows what they're actually up against. Yeah. And, um, so I'm imagining all that pressure 
is fractionating and compartmentalizing their interests of like, okay, I have to prioritize this interest. Unfortunately, this has to go to the wayside, but I have to say it like this because I need to appear this way. And imagine what that does to your psyche is like, okay, I'm saying this in public. I'm saying this to my family. I'm saying this to private. This is what I'm saying to my business partners. Right. So, so to me, we're this, this all makes a solid argument for fractionation, um, even amidst the elite or the, the super powerful, um, we were getting toward asking, how does the goo turn into the butterfly? Um, and I'm, does this tie to how the goo turns into the butterfly or are we worried that the goo is trying to get to a, something more evil, uh, I think a it's scorpion? A, I think it's a jump ball. I mean, there's a part of me that feels like we're just, <laughs> we're a night, we're about to a night. I'm watching us annihilate ourselves and then replace ourselves with, uh, androids. What with if the machine, but, yeah. but it's a jump ball, whether it's going to go good or good yes. or evil, whether or not we're turning into the butterfly or whether or not we're turning into a, a pile of horse shit and we're just about to completely be wiped out. Which, yeah. I literally, yeah. if you made me place a bet on one of those, yeah. because I like to think of myself as an optimist, sure. I would, pl- I would place it on becoming the butterfly. Yeah. But there's definitely a huge part of me that feels like this, this, this looks bleak. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that, I mean, and that makes a great case for doing mindfulness work and for creating community, for getting really serious about our principles. Um, the Tibetans have um, a prophecy, and um, I was just listening to Lama Tsomo of the Namchak lineage, and they're just talking about doing these yeah. um, as much work as we can bef- before the end of 2024 and especially 2030 and let's say there is a jump ball well we're gonna we should do everything in our power to tip it our way of like okay maybe they're you know okay they've got their lockdowns they've got their genetic uh, upgrades side grades downgrades who knows what grades um but we have we have the power to change our dna with our thoughts right I mean, we have way more powerful technology than they do. Right. Right. And and so we've got the tools. We just have to realize it. And if we really want to tip it our way towards the butterfly or whatever imaginal um, thing that we might not even know what it is yet, we can That's call it a butterfly. Part. Yeah. 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 So you're saying that we vote, we're voting with our energy, that the real democracy is one uh, of an energy an energetic democracy. Right. And that the more that we as individuals, each of us as individuals raises our own vibration and comes more in alignment with God or spirit or the universe or whatever that power yeah, is. Yeah, whatever tickles your fancy. That yeah. the more we could collectively tip toward the butterfly. Mm-hmm. Is that what you're saying? That's what it feels like to me. I, I feel like we have a real opportunity. I mean, I just went and visited um, my cousin and one of my cousins, uh, he, and he had had, he had quit drinking about two years ago, but on and off. And then finally really quit, quit last year. And now he's had a spiritual breakthrough and he's just like, oh my gosh, this is what you were talking about, Shane. I thought you were full of shit. Right. And it's like, oh yeah. And then he has a twin 
And his twin, who's on a very different path and has been an atheist for a really long time. And I'm always like, you know, God could exist. Like there is, I feel the divine. And, you know, we, we have these talks and he's like, well, Shane, you know, I don't really think that way. And it's hard for me to relate to that. And just this last year, even just a few months ago, I believe he had his breakthrough very similar to the timing as his twin who was on a very separate path. Mm. And it feels like we're, there's like this rising tide. So if we're willing to get on, on, on the board and catch the wave of awakening, it's there for us. And, um, and also supporting. So let's say, you know, I've had, I've been on this journey for a while. I probably had my awakening around 2011 or earlier, but now my, I'm support staff. Mm. I'm like, oh yeah, I've been there. Oh yeah, you feel alone? Oh yeah, I remember that. That was, that was a time. That was definitely a time. And uh, just like, oh, here's a book. Uh, what do you think about that? And asking them deep questions to bring them uh, so they can have a more full vision of what they're wanting to bring. Because it's really not, what do I want them to bring? It's like, they're the Imaginelle. I'm an Imaginelle too, but their Imaginelle station is different than mine. So how can I help serve and show you or not even show you how, how can we bring about that imaginal awareness that d- brings you deeper into your authenticity, closer to your mission. And like you said, like that vision that's going to get us united in a coherent state. That's the part that I find tricky is the notion of a vision i'm i'm with you on everything i for whatever reason my mind went to uh, a douglas adams hitchhiker's character i think he's in so long and thanks for all the fish and his name is wonko the sane and he lives up uh you know sort of uh, northern california ish or, or maybe somewhere around big sur and he has this house on the beach and and um on the front door is a sign that says you are now leaving the asylum. So he's decided that the rest of the world is the asylum Um, (laughs) and he put a fence around it. Um, So I, I, I get that and I get going and living with, uh, was it um, Amish um, types and working construction and and not smashing butterflies. And yeah, I, I, I do get it. On the individual level, um, I might be a bit more of an Alan Watts kind of guy where I'm like, you know what? If you want to be a tyrant, be a tyrant. If you want to be a saint, be a saint. Like, it's all it's all cool. It's all, it's all hide and seek. Was that his philosophy? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, and, and, and he was my interpretation of him. Like, he, he was all about the paradoxes. He, he's like, you know... He's like, you can't, you can't become enlightened by trying to become enlightened because you trying to become enlightened is the thing that gets in the way of you becoming enlightened. Cause you're like, Oh no, I'm not enlightened. I need to get enlightened. And it's like, well, the, the you just put a roadblock in front of yourself, you know, by thinking that. So anyway, I, I yeah. don't know, but I, the vision part, Cause what's the vision? And I like what you say. Everybody's got their own, you know, organelle and their own, you know, position and the new butterfly. But it's so hard to cohere on what anybody's path should be, or or do we all just have to like struggle in our own way and try to be a little bit nicer to each other? Um, 
Can I ask you a question about that, Johnny? Oh, dude, yeah, or or just start talking about something no, else. No, That'd no, be great oh, too. no, 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 no. I'm really curious about this. Yeah, like, do you actually? Yeah, I'd love to hear from both of you guys on this. So, do you conceive of two different potential I am versions of Johnny White? So, as we're talking about this, it implies that there's somewhat of a fork in the road that I could either be this. Or I could be that, right? So do you have a perception about yourself that Johnny could either be this or that? And then what are those what are those two things? Yes, I think I have that perception. Um, to some extent, I don't know if it matters which way I go because life is such an organic game that if I chose to, it's like the political system that swings back and forth, right? You get in, you know, an Obama and he says, you know, I, I am, I think first thing he said was I'm your president too, you know, to all the Republicans. And then you get in the Trump who's like, <laughs> you know, screw everybody else. We won, you know, we're the best. And it's like, it almost makes sense that that pendulum has to swing back and forth between competitiveness and cooperation. So if I chose to do the most, you know, dickish thing that I could do tomorrow, I suspect that, you know, the week after that, I would be like, okay, I've learned my lesson. That was a mistake, but it might go the other way too. If I tried to do the most compassionate thing that I could do tomorrow, um, and, you know, went out and, and tried to, you know, feed a bunch of homeless people and, um, you know, uh, be all Jesus-y. I, I suspect that like two weeks after that, I would be like, okay, you know, now I'm going to get back to, you know, trying to, you know, get my own writing done or something like that. Um, so who is the jerk? Like who's Johnny the asshole? Oh, like dude. what, what is that? Is it just a cognitive, like where, what is that? I'm so curious, like what that fork in the road is for you. Is this giving you a headache? This question? No, no, not at all. I just, it's like, how far do I take this? I, I'm, yeah, I, I said earlier, like, I don't live where I grew up. Um, I've let go of a lot of like different lives over the years. I feel very unmoored lately. Yeah. Um, and, and I have a wonderful family. I have a wonderful wife. Um, I, you know, I grew up in a, in a really s solid family but I very much question how much of what's around us is solid and how much of it is illusion and can just be let go. Like, you know, could I jump on a plane to New Zealand tomorrow and like just start a new life and be like, oh, this is cool. Like, like that's not, I, I, I wouldn't do it because I get so much meaning, you know, from my wife and my kids and, and, you know, I'm, I'm finally starting to form a community here. But like, you know, I've done it before. <laughs> yeah. So it's not, it's not. You're feeling there's not really a big scoreboard in the sky. So there's no, there's no judge or jury that's going to penalize you one way or another. I, I just, I'm aware of how easy it is to uproot and start over. And that's like, literally, that's a, like a bit of a psychopath tendency because that's what they do. They jump from place to place because they, they can't stay anywhere very long because people figure them out after a while. And I'm just not, 
I don't know, man. I like I, I I'm both. Like I I love you know a hug, a cuddle. You know I love I love personal contact. I love wrestling with my kids. Okay, come here. Yeah, I know. Well, that's why I hugged you when I walked in, and I hugged you when you walked in, and we've met like twice. Um, but but at the same time, I can be cold. Like I can you know I can I can let things go. Um, uh, pretty quickly and pretty easily as well. And I'm not, I, I don't have a ton of empathy and I have, you know, I have dark ideas. I, I write stories about, you know, people who do dark things to try to get their way. Um, so yeah, I don't know. Did, did that answer your question at all? It did. Yes. It did answer my question. It brought, it brought up five more questions. So <laughs> good. But are they all, are they all directed at me? Well, yes. Along those lines. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I just, uh, well, I'm, let, I want to hear what Shane has to say and then maybe come back to it. Yeah, or I, I can turn us back to Shane if you, if you want to. Yeah. Um, I but yeah, hear, do, I do what's hear, organic. I want to hear what Shane has to say about that. Is there, are there two potential versions? Like you talked about, you had an awakening in 2011. Yeah. So obviously there's a version, there was a potential version of Shane out there that did not have that awakening that went down a different road. What are, what's believe, the difference between those two guys? I don't necessarily believe in the whole um, hyperdimensional, like all these up, you know, like some, some, and I, I used to like, okay, every version of me exists out there. Yeah. Um, what I've, what I feel is that I have um, gone down certain paths and with certain intentions or ways of being, and those have had consequences and I've learned from those consequences. So yes, I can take a lot long and winding and twisted path. However, is that going to take me to the mountaintop mm. in a fashion that feels easeful and right, not righteous, but r right and true. So I, I, you know, there, I, I learned the hard way. I'm born the year of the ox. I'm a bit stubborn. And I'm, there's a bit of drudgery that I enjoy. And I go, oh, man, that hurt. Okay. Not doing that again. And sometimes I'll have to do it a few times. And then I'll go, okay, I really have it this time. I think I have it. And then life challenges me. And then, okay, yeah, I, I actually, I, I feel like I responded in a real way that created less karma, that created less trauma. And yeah, we can have all these hypothetical versions of ourself, but in our soul, on our soul path, are we growing? Are we be becoming more compassionate? And yeah, we sometimes we probably have to be cold to Ooh. a certain degree. When I'm building a deck, I had to take out these amount of plants and clear the space. And there's part of me that had to shut down as a child. You know, I cried when I killed ants. Like I remember killing them because my mom's like, these are pests. And I killed them and I cried. Wow. And I was like, oh, I, mom. And I, I watched one of my favorite movies as a child was young Einstein with Yahoo serious, amazing Australian actor. I love him. He's so funny. And I, I was like, I'm a pacifist. And I was very young and I, I could just feel so deeply and but also that was a bit too like I was too much in my feelings I was too uh it wasn't functional right there's a level of 
functionality that comes with like, like when I work with my hands, like part of my hands have to actually become numb and mm. calloused because that's what I do every day. That's the function that that is part of my functionality. But I also have to be very tuned in to like when I'm lifting my center of balance, heavy weights. People look at me like, oh yeah, this guy. And then I'll 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 go into the shop and I'll lift like twice as much as them. But I'll do it from a centered place. And they're like, oh, man, you're different. And it's funny because I I. I'm around some pretty rough people just because of the kind of construction work I do. But they, they see it and they respect it and they honor it because they're like, okay, there's something else going on here. Yeah. This 2011 awakening, I want to dig in on that and maybe this year of the ox thing, even though I, I don't buy anything remotely astrological. <laughs> sure. Um, so you... Because I, I, I've gotten into so many things over, you know, into music, into, you know, story, into religion, into meditation. And and I actually, as I, I used to, or my friends used to call me a partial artist back when I was into martial arts because I would change which one I was doing, you know, every, every, you know, uh, every year or so, which was cool. Um, cause you just, you know, you get bored of, of, you know, throwing punches the same way and then you incorporate something new and then you're like, Oh, this one's cool. Um, so, so what is this lasting awakening, um, of 2011 and why is it lasting? Why do you think that that's the thing and that you're not going to like, you know, discover that you really love, you know, foosball or music festivals or lacrosse or something and be like, no, I'm lacrosse guy now. I'm not, I'm not Buddhist guy anymore. Sorry to, to, you know, comically, uh, um, paint you with a single color, <laughs> but you, you see what I'm going for. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I no longer take offense to, um, people, um, speaking about me as if I lived in a box. Like mm. that doesn't offend me anymore. It mm. used to be like, don't put me in a box. And then I realized, oh, by responding in that way, I was actually confirming or affirming the boxed status. Sure. So by just kind of letting it roll off, you know, like water off a duck's back, as my uncle would say, mm. um, that is part of the awareness as well and sure. the awakening. And there sure. wasn't just one awakening since 2011. Sure. There have been many phases and regressions and progressions but i would say the lasting effect is it comes back to principles so in 2011 well before then i lost both of my best friends mm, and yeah. right in the middle of that i lost my grandmother mm. who i was very close to mm. and i remember uh talking to john so i lost andrew montanero from cancer really rare bone cancer and and then my grandmother died and we had that's a whole nother story. And then I remember in being in John's room and going, John, you better not die. I'm going to go fucking insane. Like this is too much. Um, and then six months later he dies. Oh my God. How old was he? Uh, I think he was like 23 and you were around the same age. Yeah. We're the same age. And, um, yeah, so it was, it was just sent me, I uh, sent me on a journey Hmm. say, and, you know, I probably don't have enough time today to go into the full peyote vision quest. I went because I, I watched the Doors movie and I was like, oh, I want to see the dragon mm. or whatever. I want to see the, the uh, these visions. And I remember fasting for three days and I borrowed my my friend's VW bus. And I'm like, 
I didn't know that the battery was dead. So at every gas station, and I was driving nonstop to uh, Southern Arizona, mm. that every gas station I would have to like, I, what I figured out is I, I'd shift it into second. So I'd like run, get enough momentum and I could kick it into gear. Mm-hmm. And so I, I finally get out there and um, I, I do this, the hero's journey. I think it's like 16 button T. And there's another guy my age out there. Mm. And uh, so I'm sitting in the chair thinking about donuts. And that's all I, I'm like, I, I freaking drove how long <laughs> I'm seeking enlightenment. Yeah. And all I can think about is a glazed donut as uh, these birds fly around me. I'm in a sleeping bag getting attacked by flies, butt naked sitting by a fire thinking about donuts and i'm like this is lame so i get out of the sleeping bag after a few hours because i drank the tea and i actually when i got there i was like something smells really good i'm like are you guys cooking anything like it was the church of peyote in arizona and uh they're like no 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 and turns out i enjoyed the tea they're like oh this is gonna be disgusting you're gonna throw up blah 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 i loved it because I'd been fasting for three days is the right. only, you know, I was basically living off of electrolyte water. Right. And so I go out to the VW bus. All I have is electrolyte water and omega-3 fatty acid oil pills. And I take this. I was like, that's not enough. So I go into the church and I like start digging around. I'm like, I need to eat because all I can think about is food. And I'm like trying to have this breakthrough. So I'm eating like they have whatever. And then I find this grapefruit. I'm like, ooh. And I'm about to peel into, I'm like, I'm going to share this uh, with the other guy that's here. Cause this, you know, this isn't really affecting me. And so I like walk out and I was, I think I was in the direction of the North. So I walk to the, the, his camp, which is East. And I go to say his name. And I, well, I just go, Hey brother, my voice was completely relaxed. And I was like, speaking like this i was like this stuff isn't working (laughs) do you want to share a grapefruit with me and he are you still naked at this point actually i'd put on some clothes at that point but he thought i was a native american spirit because he was by his fire it was dark and he just hears this voice and it was even deeper than that i can't even mock it yeah and anyways we have a great conversation about life Cause I was like, Hey, do you want to like, we looked very similar. So it was odd. And I was like, man, my life just kind of sucks right now. He's like, yeah, my life kind of sucks right now too. I was like, well, do you want to like swap? Like I could live your life and you could live mine for a little bit and like try that out. He's like, yeah, that sounds great. But first you have to like know my life. So you have like context. And so it just led to this like really funny conversation about like getting to know each other's lives. And what I realized is during this, this experience that every fear I had melted away. Just uh, imagining, just like, uh, I guess this is the clearest way I can say it. It's like, imagine seeing your life clearly without fear. And that was my experience. Now, it's a medicine. Ooh. I will say that with honor and respect. And I approached it that way. I, I approached it humbly and with... Um, because and I went to the right place because I was like, this is a really strong medicine. I'm not messing around. I don't want to get sidetracked. I don't want to end up on a the corner of a like a curb, 
you know, begging for change. I want real transformation. I'm not trying to take shortcuts here. And, um, so yeah, I was able to change my lens and it, it was enough to see the mountaintop Mm. and that was, and then it goes into other experiences. I ended up staying, um, at his, his family's place in France for a month. Did you switch lives? We didn't. We, we were like, actually, as you know, as the medicine started working or, you know, the peyote, I started actually appreciating my life and people in it and going like, I love these people. Okay. Yeah. That person's kind of a prick, but I, I still love them. They care about me and they're coming from a place of love and I don't have to fear their judgment. I see that they're coming they're you know, from a place of fear. So, I mean, I, I could go on, but I, the, I the way I'm there. hearing this is that you had that conversation and that led, you would have had to communicate, you know, who all these people are and you would have had to process all of your emotions about them and kind of pass them on. And uh, if you're thinking of, okay, I, I get to hand all of my, you know, fears and problems over to this dude. And then this dude is going to hand me his but that's more like a game, right? Like that's like you get to go play at being somebody else for a little while, as opposed to like, you don't inherently think of like, okay, taking on their fears and be like, okay, well you had a childhood trauma of whatever. So now I have to be afraid of, um, you know, refrigerators falling on me or whatever. Like it, it wouldn't come in that way. Yeah. Is that the, am I, am I connecting the dots on that correctly? That kind of opened up the conversation Got it. to that possibility. And so now imagining someone else's life through that lens, I don't have the, the same emotional impact or, but it did, I'm an extrinsic thinker. So mm. by a, by speaking about my life, I was able to examine it. Mm. I was putting it out there on the platter going, this is, this is what's a pain in my ass. This is what I'm afraid of. This is who I love or how I love or what I love in my life. Mm. And then I went, actually, I have a really great life. I, yeah, I love it. Wait, no, you can keep your life and I'll keep mine. Isn't it funny how that works? I've got my brother in town right now. And so we go deep on some conversations and I can just tell like, if I talk to him about what's hard, um, it just feels easier. And and that's like a weird phenomenon in a way, isn't it? Like, wouldn't you think that you would still have the problems that you had, even if you vocalized them with somebody? Something I don't, I don't know why it goes away. Bottled in makes it difficult. Andrew Hebron was talking about how there's been some study that shows if you journal for a certain amount of time every day or every week, that it actually lowers depression. There have been uh. studies and research now that show that just writing, like in a diary, just notes to yourself, um, will help with depression and anxiety. So that makes sense to me as a way of creating meaning in that you say this happened, that made me feel this way, that happened, that made me feel that way, here's what I'm going to do in the future. Like you're connecting dots in your life and turning your life into a meaningful story um, and giving it coherence uh, and you know perhaps purpose or perhaps mm. um, working through your traumas. Um, Maybe it's just simply a matter of letting it go. Hmm. Maybe as long as we're holding it inside of ourselves, it's creating tension within us because it's adding weight in some way. Yeah. If we write it on paper, we have a conversation. Maybe it just, maybe it helps just release it from our psyche and our conscience. And literally, if you think of it as having weight to it, maybe it literally lightens our load just to, to let it go. I don't know. I'm theorizing. No, it's, it's good. I, 
We know it makes a difference, though, for yeah. sure. Yeah, and it, it kind of brings me back to our last conversation where you're you're talking about um, the social pressures and then the pressure to not share certain things as a way of controlling. Do you remember that where it was like, um, um, well, anyways, it's almost like this pressure release valve of like expression, like, okay, I'm just, I'm, I'm letting this. So Russell would call that like the yin or the dissipating of it. Cause you have the yang, uh, the, uh, the yang, which is concentrating. And then you have yin, which is dissipating. Mm -hmm. And it's almost like this dissipating force where I imagine like reading and receiving information like reading might be a more, I don't know this to be a fact, but it could be a more of a concentrating energy. Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, that takes me to the consumptive um, society that we're in. Like, cause I, I listen to a lot of podcasts. I, I listen to more podcasts and lectures than I talk. Um, and so does that mean that I'm yanging in all of this information and I don't get to yin any of it back out. And so does that increase, um, you know? Well, it's, it's weird. Cause now that you're saying it, it's almost like receiving information is yin, right? The receptive. Ah, got it. Sorry. Um, but there, there's a, there's some sort of like making sure there's a balance, right? So, you know, it's, you know, all this is theoretical. Cause if you go to, um, Russell's writings you can't really tell it's like okay is that positive well you probably could if you really if I really broke it down mm. but I'm I'm not able to do that in this moment I'll think about that one who's Russell Walter Russell ah yeah who's Walter Russell uh he's a cosmic polymath oh wow yeah so yeah Schauberger brought me to uh, Russell and that was part of my like big aha of um you know you read the Tao Te Ching and you're like what is the nothing like yeah. what is this nothing that they're talking about because mm-hmm. it feels very much like something mm-hmm. and it wasn't until Schauberger brought me into because basically Walter Russell's like um so Schauberger's about water Russell's about light everything comes from light and is every various densities of light and um and then, and then nothing is everything. That's the zero and the one. It's like there actually is no zero, but the zero represents the one. Right. And, you know, what we're seeing are refractions of parts of the one that are temporarily uh, in our, in this visible dimension. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Clear magnetic light or pure something. There, there was something along those lines. Yeah. Contemporary um, emanation of yes. God consciousness expressing itself through the physical form. Of, yeah. In this body, in this mind, in exactly. this voice. Yeah. So the transformation of 2011 was losing fear yeah. and it hasn't come back? No. Well, actually, that was the mushroom journey that followed in Amsterdam that really broke me. You know, because I, I kind of alluded to that when I was held at gunpoint. Yeah. yeah. You know, and you screamed at that guy. Yeah. So that was post, um, that was post peyote. And, um, uh, but that all led to kind of a, uh, existential crisis because I was pursuing these psychedelics to get some sort of heightened awareness. And then I was like seeing the mountaintop, but then I was like trying to take cheat codes to get there. Yeah. And what I came to was like, Oh, I actually have to like walk. I have to like 
go there. I can't just like see it. Okay. Yes, I can see the mountaintop in my mind of minds. Yeah. Ultimately, these feet need to move. There needs to be action. Mm-hmm. Right. 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 So, yeah. Um, Camino kind of. Yeah. So I'm super curious. So I hear all of the things that you're describing and I'm hearing sort of a recipe, you know, and that there's certain things in that recipe that have made your life better, made you a better version of yourself. But what I'm still super curious about is like, if you think about the best version of Shane and the worst version of Shane, like what's the difference? I hear the ingredients that lead to the good version Mm -hmm. or the better version, what feels like a better version, but what is the difference? Yeah, I would say that the worst version of Shane is when I was in those desperate places of trying to get away from myself. Whether I was coping. Were you operating from a different part of your being? Absolutely. I was operating from uh, the outer pressures. So, oh, my mom wants me to do this. Oh, my mentor wants me to do this. Oh, school, society, my friends. Okay, now I'm going to cope with alcohol and I'm, I'm going to express these other things that are like been buried in me and like fermenting like that. That was a toxic mixture. And so when I um, started listening to myself more, right, so I, I could tell like, okay, I was reacting to other people wanting me to have a better life, but not knowing how to express it in a way that I could receive it. So their intentions were, for the most part, the people that I love that are in my life were good. But how they expressed it, I took as expectation or as, oh, I need to change myself in order to be loved by them. And then I resented them for wanting me to be someone else right. in order to be loved. So when you went through the shift, you started listening more to yourself. Yeah. And go, hey, this is me. If you don't love me, fuck off. <laughs> I love you and go fuck off because this is me. So I'm going to Eckhart Tolle you a little bit. So <laughs> if you were listening more to yourself, who is the you and who is the self? I love that. And that, that feels like a meditation. Like that's a great meditation prompt. But no answer. (laughs) If I were to answer it, it would feel like a, it would feel derivative. I'm not a t-shirt guy or I'm not a t-shirt slogan guy, but I do like the idea of a t-shirt that says, I love you. Go fuck off. (laughs) (laughs) I saved it. I'm interested in, in, I I had the same question as Blake. How how do you know when you're listening to yourself and when you're not? Um, some would say pay attention to how you feel, you know, when you when you do something, do you feel sick or do you feel strong um, mm-hmm. uh, when you say something uh, or, or even afterward? Um, God, it is hard, though, we, we especially when you don't have that much silence, because um, I feel like sorry, I don't know if this is true or not, but. I find my kids really fun and I can see that like 
living on a farm a hundred years ago would have been like, oh, dude, let's have a dozen. Like these things are hilarious, you know. <laughs> and if you've got nothing to do in the evenings and you're kind of waiting for the pumpkins to grow, like let's crank them out. Fuck it. Like, you know, and then they can help later and, you know, but they are, they're, they're so entertaining. Yeah. Um, and it doesn't surprise me now that people don't want them because they're a lot of work and they keep you busy and it, and it's hard to, you know, keep up on your shows, uh, or, you know, whatever, you know, it's hard to sit on your phone. Uh, the things that people like to do that I really try to avoid. Um, when you've got kids because they demand attention and they get pissed off if you're not paying attention to them. And then they, you know, and then they turn into little Tasmanian devils. Um, and so I, I kind of, I guess I'm saying I get it why we don't like them as much in modern times or why, you know, birth rates, it's a, it's great. Like South Korea, I heard some crazy stat. It's like one in 10 people will be a grandparent or so. Like it's, wow. it's crazy. I, I, that, you know, Somebody look that up if you're listening to this, but, um, yeah, so I, I, I kind of get it. Um, but it is so hard to, but when you're inundated, when you're consuming, when there's, you know, all the entertainment you could ever want com- coming at you all the time, plus things, you know, ads trying to make you feel bad, trying to make you feel scared. The news trying to make you feel scared. Trying to hydrogenate your lawsuit, trying to hydrogenate you. Yeah. It is hard to tune into yourself and to, to just book time for yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, it's probably my relationship. So no, it might've been a father's day. My wife got me a meditation retreat um, and I had done them before. And then one of the things, like one of the things that made me decide uh, early on that she was the one um, was this book about introverts. I think it's called quiet. And she's like, Oh yeah. You know, my dad read this and it made a big difference to him. And she, she, she'd be like, Oh, do you need like you, do you need quiet time or, or do you want to do something? And I was like, Oh my God, I need quiet time. Like I feel so good now. Like what a, what a marvelous, you know, revelation. Um, uh, yeah, but I, I think that's hard to come by, especially if you don't have this easily separating easily um you know self-sufficient like don't give it don't care what other people think and and i'm saying that about myself and pointing to myself and it's not because i'm a good person it's it's not it's not like a security thing it's it's kind of a coldness thing like i just i don't know i just i just don't care that much um don't care that much what other people think or like, it, you know, people want me to come to some event or something. And I'm like, I just think it's stupid. Like, yeah. I just don't want to, you know, you, you want to watch a show and it's like, I, I know it's going to happen. Like it's get, something's going to be interesting. And then you're going to have to wait the whole season for that to resolve. And like, mm-hmm. can I just read a classic instead? Like we know that the classic is good and that it has something to say. And like this new, you know, TV show, it's like, it's, it's going to turn into you know, yeah, some piece exactly. of garbage you've seen 50 other times. Yeah. And they, they don't know where they're going. They just know how to get you hooked. Right. Um, but it's, it's not taking you anywhere. So, um, that's what I loved about asteroid city. Did you see asteroid? No, city? I've watched it. Went to the, I saw it in the theater three times. What is it? It's, uh, Oh, I'm forgetting. I'm blanking on the filmmaker's name right now. Uh, the guy who did the, uh, 
the Royal Tenenbaums and Wes Anderson. Wes Anderson, thank you. Yeah, I can't believe I forgot his name. Uh, yeah, it's in the latest Wes Anderson movie. I was just so tickled because it was just so unexpected. Sure. It was so different. And I was yeah. literally in, sitting in the theater with a smile on my face the whole time just because this is different. I'll take in a movie a lot more willingly than I'll take in a TV show. You will. Because a movie. There's some great TV shows, too. Yeah, but a movie, they have 90 minutes yeah. and they're, they're trying to say something. And you know that they're they're going to get it out in 90 minutes. Yeah. Whereas a TV show, it's like, let's get you watching. And then there's yeah. 11 seasons. And you really yeah. have to watch the first three seasons before... You know, before it really, and I, like people say that shit to me, and I'm like, "Are you fucking kidding me? Well, the, I have to watch 40 <laughs> hours of this before it gets good." Like, well, the limited series have kind of cracked that code. I feel like because they have like one or two seasons, so I feel like you know they they told the story in the right amount of time mm-hmm. versus some of those things. And I did, I did my daughter and I did watch Succession, which I think was four seasons. Okay, and there are times where you feel like, okay, they're squeezing an hour's worth of content into five hours yeah. of episodes. Yeah. Right now it's time for the cats like sub story. Yeah. yeah. Whereas the best ones to me are where it feels like the content is full the entire time. And there, I've seen some limited all, all series All killer, like no that. filler is my preferred. All killer, no filler. Yeah. 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 Don't yeah. bore us. Get to the chorus. Nice. Uh, Tom Petty. Rick and Morty is the, is the one show that I will watch. What the heck is, isn't that a kid's show? Oh uh, no. It's, what's Rick and Morty? It's this kid's show. You're smiling. You <laughs> what is it? it? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I love, I used to love Rick and Morty and then the dark undertones kind of like was like, Ooh, do I want these in my mirror neurons? Do I, I do I want this pathway? Yeah. No, thanks. And, and which kind of brings me to what I felt like you were driving at is the signal versus the noise ratio. Yeah. Like limiting all this noise. Like how much noise do I, you know, I don't watch the news anymore. Oh no. I don't, I don't actually watch TV. I don't, uh, I've reduced the amount of noise in my life. Yeah. And I think you're driving out like stillness, you know, for, uh, I'm an omnivert. Uh, so I'm both in, in and out. So it's like, I learn about myself by going within, but I also learn about myself in moments like these where I'm trying to uh, express myself. It's like, okay, yes. Like, oh, how do I hear my own voice? Well, sometimes by hearing my own voice and other times by hearing my inner voice. And, um, yeah, I mean, we could go off about Rick and Morty though, because there are some really fun, interesting Give me the high the high level. Like, what is Rick and Morty? Genius, smartest man in the universe, and his, you know, somewhat um, uh, regular family. And so he is on intergalactic quests. Uh, it's a cartoon, and he's dragging members of his family along because he's lonely and he's isolated, and he he feels vulnerable and alone because he is, you know, kind of um, smart. And then the family, uh, you know, depending on the adventure, and it's high concept sci-fi, and and they get sick of him, or they um, decide that they're not going to take this shit anymore. And um, to to me, it's just really intelligently written. Like Mm -hmm. the, the daughter, the teenage daughter who is initially kind of this ditz and is too cool for everything. And then she kind of gets dragged into these things like rolling her eyes 
but she she knows what to do and she has the solutions but she's kind of too cool for it at the same time and you just you know they 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 they're they're a little bit meta and they're aware of arcing their characters and and they make a lot of commentary about like oh so now we're doing this mm-hmm. oh is that your arc um yeah it's it's fun help me out I, yeah i gotta i'll check it out oh yeah it's it's worth checking out um i think when it uh, i don't know if it was like season three but um when it just became like kind of overtly nihilist like, oh yeah some of them are dumb yeah, yeah yeah there's a few episodes in there and you're just like what what is this trash yeah, who, who yeah. wrote this yeah yeah and it felt like noise to me and you know I, I i probably would give it another chance however i'm just really being more stringent yeah with what noise is entering i get right? that I like, watching succession for four seasons wow you, it's a gr- it's really well done but it's like it. what is it about? the game at the end of it it's this old guy who has this huge um mega corporation you know worth billions and he has three kids and he's getting oh succession sorry succession. The way you, I, I thought you said six session oh i might i actually said. got pulled into that show and i was like yeah. wow this is a great show i think i i've been really well done but by the First end two. like my daughter <laughs> and i are having and it was something i my daughter and i did together and enjoyed so it was great for that reason but by the end the conversation is literally like who's the sociopath who's the narcissist who's the psychopath it's like they're all just variations on this on this scale just yeah. really horrible people across the board so, so yeah what do you think that's teaching or imbuing or in training in our society i mean not really good stuff you so know because you, uh, yeah. you what you wind up doing after a while is you kind of pick a favorite yeah and you kind of like, who do I identify? And at first you're like, they're all horrible people. Like I hope yeah. the plane goes down when they're all in it. Like mm. they're terrible. Well, like humanity would be better yeah. off. And then before you know it, you're sort of like, well, you know, Kendall is kind of a nice, I mean, he's got some compassion mm-hmm. he's doing. And then by the end of it, you're kind of rooting for one or the other. And then you, and then at least with me, I had to check myself and go, why am I rooting for it? These are horrible mm-hmm. human beings, like all of them. When do you think that shift happened? in hollywood where now we have like the anti-heroes basically running the show mm-hmm. yeah that's that's interesting so when i worked for robert mckee he pointed out i think he pointed this out that chinatown was a seminal moment i don't know chinatown if that, was that 78 well, or 80s yeah. or something but 70. there was not an up ending uh the detective was looking into who was running this you know water scam in la and then you know the guy had I think he slept with his own daughter to yeah. create a grandchild who was more yeah. like him. And yeah. uh, and he got away with it in the end. And everybody just went, oh, my wow, God. That's right. Mulroy, uh, Mr. Mulroy. And I, and supposedly it was based on Mulholland. That okay. character was based on Mulholland. I'm interested in this because when we talk about the goo turning into the butterfly, yeah. I was thinking the artists are supposed to be the ones who are sensing the future and right. who are starting to point us symbolically um in a better the, the true dire- artists in yeah. a better direction yeah or toward or, what's or, coming or holding up a mirror to us so we go oh yeah. my gosh i don't like that reflection we need to change it so your question about you know breaking bad and um i don't know how many you know name examples of show, game of thrones you know it, we yeah. we have started and I think it's it's probably progress. Like, I don't think it's bad to identify with these villains. Like, I think it's like, oh, 
yeah, maybe, you know, maybe the lesson at the end of this is that we all have the potential within us for dark and light and anybody can change at any time. And it's a choice. I, you know, I don't know, but we used to be like, let's go. Good guy. Hooray. Or, you know, and, and then like, oh, let's kill the bad guy as if life was that simple. Um, so I, I think that, yeah, part of it is, is recognizing, like identifying with the bad guy, I think is it increases our sophistication maybe as thinkers. I don't like that word, but maybe our, our range. Um, I don't, I don't, I don't know Possibly when it happened. Compassion as well. Right. So right. compassion for, okay. Yeah. 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 So like integrating the shadow shadow. Yeah, that's exactly the right. Yeah. I should have been the one to say that. Oh, like, so, yeah. Let's edit this and make it so that I say it. Integrating the show. <laughs> we can do that. Yeah. So, so, okay. So we've, we're in this phase of like gooey, gooeyness. Our artists are integrating the shadow. Yeah. Okay. And it's not necessarily a bad thing. I like that as an idea. Yeah. Yeah. I can, I can hmm. simmer in that and. I, I wonder what the next I'll be the level... contrarian. I don't like that as an idea. <laughs> <laughs> it's Shadow Blake, ladies yes, and gentlemen. Right. I don't know. I like the idea of artists pointing out our our flaws and our darkness and, yeah. and inviting us into something better. You know, as cliche as a lot of the things were that I grew up with, I think they did kind of give me a sense. I have sort of the sense of Western justice, you yeah. know, and and righteousness and 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 good over evil. It did help to condition me, I think, in that way. And I think that's like I think that's a good thing. Yeah. Yeah. So like I mean, I so if if everything's in like is it uh Ken Wilbur um uh that talks about uh integral theory, like everything's in a spiral. So we go through these patterns and it's like evolving and becoming more mature. It's like we're not transcending the shadow. We're not like banishing the shadow anymore. It's like, okay, how do we grow into this next you know, um, level of evolution, knowing that the shadow exists. And so maybe now we're, depending on how the evolution spiral is turning, we might be going into a more tribal from a more Mm -hmm. individualist. So in order to be in unity, we have to understand like there's some shadow elements in this greater, because it's hard to like think of that about yourself. Like, oh, I'm uh, you know, I, I'm well-meaning and I have all these great intentions. And then like what you're saying is like these writers are showing us like, oh, well, or like the show you're talking about, Succession. It's hard to say. <laughs> it is that, you know, there's these elements that we might identify with and like have resonance or compassion with. Uh, yeah, I'm just curious, like forecasting, like, okay, how's this all going to... I can't call up Ken Wilber at the moment. Carl Jung, though, the shadow was his thing and, and like some real, you know, oversimplified basics on it are, um, it's not good to just be weak. Um, like some people follow the rules, but it's, it's just cause they're weak. Like they, they, they don't, they don't have the capacity to break the rules. They're afraid, you know, they're, you know, they would tout, you know, compassion as like the ultimate virtue and like, let's be nice to everybody and, and everything. And, and like you gave the example of in your construction, you could go around trying to be nice to every ladybug, but like you got to get some shit done eventually and you, you have to have some decisiveness. And so that demands some darkness 
um, being incorporated in you where you actually like cast some judgment and you decide what's what. And so the shadow is, um, I'm going to go Jordan Peterson here for a minute. Yeah. I was about to you guys felt out. it coming. Yeah. Um, Being a monster. Yeah. Yeah. Can you, and so you turned on the monster in episode one when, Mm -hmm. when the guy, you know, tried to, um, uh, mug you Mm -hmm. and and you said, no, like, here's my range motherfucker. Like, you know, (laughs) let's go. And so that's better than just giving up your, your wallet because that discourages him. He goes home with the fear of God in him. You get to keep your stuff. Maybe that street corner is, you know, 1% safer. Um, And so incorporating the shadow is good over the long run. Um, Go ahead. I mean, tell, you know, speak about the the Jordan Peterson thing. Can you? I I, I think that's most, I I could talk about Jordan Peterson for a while. Well, just the monster part. What does he say? What's his advice there? Better to be a warrior in a garden than a gardener in a war. Um, if, if you don't have the capacity for, um, mayhem, then you're just going to be mugged. You're just going to be somebody who allows the psychopaths to thrive. Right. 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 The psychopaths and the narcissists and the sociopaths are the ones who will win in that, in that ecosystem. Whereas if you, if you have the power for mayhem, but you keep it under control, that's um, the key part. He says, but, but you don't use it. You just have it there as a reserve. Right. So you don't act like as a monster unless and until it's necessary. So I don't know. This is, this is naive, but take us somewhere as a society, maybe this in this age of celebrating the monster, maybe we are, um, starting to develop a, a spine, you know, communally where we're all like, oh yeah, oh yeah, I could shoot somebody in the head. Oh yeah, I could destroy a, you know, a family in the name of my corporation or I don't know, whatever these people do, yeah. right? Sell meth, you know. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, there's all it, different levels of monster, right? Within these different archetypes. And so maybe we identify with all of them and then people start integrating, you know, that capacity for mayhem without having to act it out. I don't know. Which is interesting when you combine that with, by the way, it's, I think Thank we're you, yeah. going to be conscientious at times, so we probably want to wrap up pretty soon. Sure. But it's interesting when you overlay that with the drop in testosterone levels mm-hmm. and the sort of homogenization of, 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 you know, male and female in our culture as well. Yeah. I was thinking about those don't seem to really go together. It push pull, you know, anything, anything that happens is going to have a reaction. And I, I, I'm not saying yeah, that. I'm interested in it. True crime, man. Uh, like four of the top 10 podcasts are true crime. That's yeah. crazy. Yeah. So, but, but it's like somehow, I don't know. I would say it's like, Oh, the world has become so safe and so mediated that we've now become fascinated by, you know, rape and murder mm-hmm. just to like get a little closer to that um animalistic testosterone um feeling even though testosterone. we testosterone testosterone you had your isn't that an today? italian dish yeah great i idea. think they serve that at giuseppe's yeah testosterone with red sauce yeah you have to do you have to do 100 squats before you're allowed to eat it yeah i mean that that uh, briefly i mean that brought me to civil disobedience you know uh throw and how it took courage to speak his truth and and break the law because you uh you know it's just to break the law when the law is not just right do you mean thomas Paine? 
Mm-mm. Thoreau? Civil disobedience. Civil disobedience is Thoreau. Yeah. Not Thomas Paine. Okay. Yeah. Thomas Paine is, uh, gosh. Okay. Yeah. I was just. So Thoreau talked about civil disobedience. Right? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a good read. I mean, uh, AP English high school changed my life. Wow. So, yeah. Thank you, Miss Avery. Yeah. And, and just having principles. So coming down to going like, okay, let's look at natural law or mosaic law or what, what's the deeper just. Um, and I, I think that's part of the monster too, is someone who uh, is portrayed as a monster because of the lens that society is looking through. Hmm. But there's this deeper principle at play hmm. that we can resonate with like, oh, this is why they're seen as a monster. You know, they're doing this thing that seems wrong or they're crushing the ladybug. Hmm. And then um, what society doesn't see is they're actually building this something that they, that that's greater. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. The American revolution. Yeah. If, if you like, yeah. Something that will become the new good. Yes. Yeah. As we wrap up, any thoughts on, uh, on uh, what we're going to talk about next time? Did this discussion lead you guys to, Want to dive deeper into anything? Shane left us off with hydrogenated humans at the end of the last episode. I feel like we got that. I, yeah, I feel no, we like did we, get we that. took that. We um, did take that. Yeah, I was yeah. Just curious yeah, if this sparked anything else. for fully exploring else. that with me. And uh, yeah, I guess what you're asking is like, oh, what, what can we? Did it spark any? Yeah. Did this conversation spark any ideas for the next conversation? It's okay if it didn't. I'd like to go spiritual. I'd be interested in seeing where the three of us land now that we've been friendly for a few sessions. Um, <laughs> yeah. Cause I think we all have different ideas about that. And I think we could push each other um, my, pretty far. My primary language. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I've achieved cognitive enlightenment. <laughs> <laughs> There we go. We can talk. Yeah, I can, I can see the gloves coming off right now. <laughs> oh, really? Tell me about well, that. It's a it's sort of a self-deprecating. Right. You, you've thought it through and you've decided you've yeah. decided to be enlightened. Uh, yes. Yeah. I know what it's like to be enlightened in my logical brain, which is pretty much the opposite of what enlightenment probably really is. Yeah, right. sounds fun. I, I okay, uh, we'll talk about spirituality. It, it, you know, it'll be fun. Do, do we want to speak about the topic of enlightenment because that might help. We'll talk us. about enlightenment next Does that time. Work? Sure. Yeah, and and, and I, what that I, means. I want to. I want to try it. to keep it really personal from because this is something I struggle with. Is like because I do try to lay the boundaries on everything and and you know cover the guidelines and say where we are. But it would be fun to go at this not as. Eckhart Tolle, yeah. um, Ken Wilber, uh, who's your guy? Uh, uh, I, I'm just, I'm... Uh, Baphomet. <laughs> I like picking from different sources. I, you know, it's like, it's what resonates with me. So I'll just speak from, uh, what I'm hearing is, let's speak from our own experience. Yeah, because otherwise I'll, I'll just parrot Alan Watts the whole time and, and yeah. that'll he's just be confusing. Awesome. He is he, pretty awesome. He is, but he's I, already been here. Yeah. 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 I go to sleep with Alan Watts quite a bit. I'll nice. put on different spiritual teachers as I go to sleep. I find it soothing if I'm if my monkey mind is kind of going. So Alan, mm. I'll go through periods of different people: Michael Singer, Eckhart Tolle, Alan mm. Watts. Mm. Eckhart Tolle is the best if you need to sleep. Oh, yeah, he's great. I can never get through more than thirty seconds of Eckhart Tolle <laughs> lying down in bed. Set the sleep timer for thirty-two <laughs> seconds. Yeah. 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 yeah.
yeah. it's kind of cool that to wake up when it, if it keeps going you wake up and you mm-hmm. kind of hear little snippets or catch little snippets the scientologists would disagree <laughs> <laughs> it adds to the uh, well of cognitive enlightenment all right till next time till next